Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Joel Clark for another episode of Wuxia Workshop. And today we're going to be talking about Golden Swallow, a 1968 film directed by Cheng Che, starring Cheng Pepe, Lolier, and Jimmy Wang Yu. This is the sequel to Come Drink With Me, which we all uh, discussed, what was it, like a week or two ago? Joel? Yeah, it was previously. It was the last episode. So, this was, so we're following up. Um, I should tell people, even though it's a sequel, it's it's by a different director. The first film was directed by King Hu, and this one has a sharply different storyline. It doesn't feel like a typical sequel, and we're going to get into that as we discuss it. But before we do, um, I just wanted to get uh, Joel's response to the film, because this was your first time seeing it, and I know I've talked about it before, so people probably kind of already know my opinion. But why don't you tell people what you thought about the movie and what your reaction to it was? Uh, it, it was a mixed bag. Uh, there's elements in this movie that I think distinguish it in really good ways, and there's also a lot of elements that distinguish it in annoying ways. And uh, for me, it was almost a wash, because the stuff I liked about it, I really I genuinely enjoyed about it. Like, there's a great use of shaky cam a lot, mm-hmm. like these handhelds in action scenes, that contrasts really strongly with the much more deliberate, more broad, kind of Kubrick-esque, like you said, view of combat scenes that we saw in Come Drink With Me. But that's a good distinguishment because it, it feels different and the fights feel frantic and desperate. And you don't really lose much information as far as like, you know, who's fighting who or who's winning or losing, where the injuries are. So that's a good way it distinguished itself. Um, there's no one really big letdown in, uh, in the casting anywhere, which is nice. I think some characters are underutilized and I think we're going to get into that later on. But there's there's no one character that's presence should be there that isn't there like like we had with the one of the main villains in the previous movie so that's good another thing that is a strong positive for it um, but there's a lot of stuff in it that I just direct the like directing choice and choice of emphasis in like who gets to be a central character how people interact with each other um, the whole arc of the Golden Swallow character was a problem for me in this movie. And in a movie named after her, that's a significant drawback. There's also there's also a few things that are a little uneven about it, mm-hmm. uh, like the, the use of violence in this movie. Most of it is really good. Like, for the most part, it's it's really brutal and has a, has a strong impact that kind of re- communicates to you how serious and savage this violence is. And sometimes it's almost goofy. Uh, yeah, it, it slips it, into it, just, it slips into comedy accidentally. Yeah, that's time. not you don't want that. You don't want to accidentally Ed Wood yourself, yeah. and they do a few times. Um, the, so the goose I, scene and the scene where the guy flies up in the air and lands down, I think, is probably the scene. You're, the other one. <laughs> forgot you're about that yeah. scene. Um, okay, yeah, that was dumb. <laughs> um, yeah, my, so my, so I think we should talk about those things at the start. But my, uh, I'll give my reaction just to sort of yeah, give yeah. the. So we can have the, the full contrast. spectrum. Um, so it's funny. I had a, kind of a similar reaction, but I would frame it totally differently than you. So I, mm. I have the same sort of feeling of I went in when I first when I first saw this movie. It was after I'd seen Come Drink with Me, and I was all excited to see Golden Golden Swallows Next Adventure. And yeah. to my dismay, this was obviously not a movie about Golden Swallow. This was about Silver Rock, and Golden Swallow was a very peripheral character in a lot of respects. Um, yeah. Now, that was disappointing. However, rather than sort of have it be a wash, the way that it dealt with Silver Rock and the direction and just how just how shockingly violent it was at times and how 
how, like the the fight, the, especially the finale, but all through the film, and and the way that the the Silver Rock character is handled, just sort of what he represents, all of that was to me a great film in its own right, and so it was sort of the way I saw it was a great film that was made at the expense of the sequel that he was making. Do you know what I mean? Does yeah. that does that make I sense? Think, like I, I would give a way to characterize it. Yeah, so. yeah, I would because give it a five. Like the... I would give it a five out of five, but I have to sort of explain the five because it's definitely if you're going in saying I really want to see Golden Swallow, that's not what this movie is. This movie, the Golden Swallow thing, is an excuse for Cheng Che to make the Silver Rock movie. Do you know what I mean? That's... Yeah, because there's no brand recognition for the the rampage of Silver Rock, which is what the movie should really have been called. Yeah, or, or Silver Rock's Revenge would have been perfect. Well, you yeah. you know what the name of the movie, you know, it's it's more commonly known as the Girl with the Thunderbolt Kick, which is even weirder because what? yeah, there's no there's, there's it, does, it doesn't make any sense. Um, oh, I don't I don't even First remember. All, we he see has a kick. jump attack, and he's a guy, and there's no Girl with Thunderbolt. There's no Thunderbolt Kick attack and. What? <laughs> it's a, it's an baffling. odd thing. It's an odd thing. I mean, and and also the the way that they so Golden Swallow is the main protagonist in Come Drink with Me. Now, granted, yes. there's also Drunken Cat who plays a really big role as well. So it's not like it's just about her. But he he is what they call a deuteragonist. He is also a protagonist, but he's not the only one. He kind of shares the limelight a little. And he's um, the, I would and say he's the movie the... hands the baton to him. Because he winds up carrying it to the end. Yeah, yeah, and but this is the movie that's supposed to be about her, and so, uh, but she takes even more of a backseat, and she's a totally different character, right? Like, uh, like, wouldn't you say that? Like, in the in, if if, the character that we saw in Go, in Come Drink with Me was a very sort of I'm all about the business at hand type of person. Uh, you don't I don't imagine her swooning over a man easily. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it does not yeah. seem to be part of her her personality in the first film, and in this one, and also in that one, she's never she's never met she's never made to like she's a pretty woman. The actress who plays her is incredibly pretty, but she's never like dolled up at all in the in the first. Oh yeah, they they really doll her up in this one. Yeah, so like the, she has some very obvious makeup on. No, and what's interesting is in the first movie there are a couple of scenes where she has to like there's one scene where she dresses up like a lady to go to the temple and it's surprising how beautiful she looks in that scene because she's been dressed as a man the whole time right and 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 the other scenes where you sort of see her femininity come through it's it's accidental do you know what i mean like the scene where she's poisoned do you know what i mean like it's like uh you see her vulnerable side but it's not like she's depicted the way she is in the golden swallow film where she's really dressed to the nines and her hair is all done up and all this stuff you know it just it just felt like a totally different presentation of the character Um, it it did and that's one of the i think that has to do with one of the most annoying elements in my estimation which is that every character is secondary to silver rock every character revolves around him he's he's, he is really a terrible example of a mary sue because like the movie like it at first it's not noticeable you just think he's a badass because we see a lot of that we Mm -hmm. see like the mysterious badass character a lot wuxia but he's definitely a vehicle for like, like the vanity of whoever wrote him. He's clearly a Mary Sue because everything every other character wants revolves around him. Every interaction that they have 
he gets mentioned even when he's not there. It's it gets to the point that at the end of the movie, I was actually really happy that he died, and I was mad because I didn't get to see him die because it just it, it fades out on him standing yeah. there heroically, not being dead yet, and fades into his grave. And I'm like, oh my god, give me the satisfaction movie. I don't know if I, I mean, well, I don't, I'm not a hundred percent clear on what the parameters of a Mary Sue are, like what, what technically qualifies. I don't know that I would agree that he's a Mary Sue, but if we, if I did agree, like, let's just say for the sake of argument that he is just to skip that. Debate, uh, he's a rhetorical Mary Sue. Uh, uh, I, I don't think I would mind. I, I like what I got with him because I feel like he's a common trope that you see in a lot of Hong Kong and mainland China movies where, you have this hero who's just hell-bent on the path that he's on, and it's going to lead to his destruction. And that's kind of the point of the movie. It's kind of like a rebel without a cause type situation. Do you know what I mean? It's like a, um, you know, it's it's very sort of, I don't know, it's sort of plucked right out of a Western or something. Do you know what I mean? It's got that kind of a... It, it does have that. Um, but, like, I think the the success of a character like that, like say what 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 am I call a Clint Eastwood character or a John Wayne kind of character, which I think I think you're right. There's there's some tissue that connects them. I think the success of them is your ability as a member of the audience to put your feet in their boots and kind of become them to the movie. Yeah. But those characters, very importantly, they mess up and they fail and get beaten once in a while, and that basically never happens to Silver Rock. The, the thing that makes him fail for me as something that can be a vehicle for my own power fantasy is that he doesn't really ever struggle, mm. ever. Even when he's being torn apart and dying, he doesn't really seem to be struggling. He still wins handily. Well, yeah, but and that's I, because he's like a Lancelot-type character. He's the, the supreme swordsman who doesn't really have a rival. Do you know I mean, that's sort of, that's his tragedy in the movie. Jamie, that's the thing that, yeah, I think so. I think that's Uh the thing. Well, it's, it's the thing that brings him to the grim end that he, that he meets. Do you know what I mean? That, uh, I, I, I mean, I, I, cause you're right. He he doesn't really struggle throughout the, there's no real, I mean, there's some, some internal struggle, obviously. He has some kind of internal thing going on that's eating him alive. But in terms of, Martial rivals. There isn't really anybody. The only time we see him struggle is when he's uh, mortally wounded and vulnerable and totally and, overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, uh, but for I don't know. I mean, I mean, I, I think you're right. I think your assessment's right. He doesn't struggle. I don't know that that's necessarily an issue for me with this movie because um, mm. I'm trying to think. Well, what would it have been like if he had struggled? And I don't know that that would have been. I don't know what that would have added to the movie for me. It would have added pathos to it, is what it would have added. If I got to see him, like, because he he has a scene which is really important, and like, I don't want to like wreck the, our sequence of talking about this movie, but importantly to that character, he has a scene where he talks about how his family was basically killed in front of him, and no hero yeah. stepped forward to save him. Yeah, that was a scene that could have built pathos, especially if we'd seen it, and then the subsequent training that we're also told about but not shown yeah. by Gold Swallow in her new role as the number one fangirl of Silver yeah. Rock. It's that reduction of all the other characters to make him better that frustrates me about the structure of the movie. It's I the, get the you. Thinking of, that, like, that's the issue that I have with it. Okay, I can see that. See, my, my take on the character is, in terms of martial abilities, he's there's not, nothing can touch him. Like That's not a problem for him. His problem lies in 
love and places like that. Do you know what I mean? That's where his, that's sort of the, do you know what I mean? Like he's, he's got this whole thing with Golden Swallow and, and, and that's sort of the. I mean, think about it from, uh, if you were Silver Rock, mm -hmm. the first thing you see after he kills those dudes on the road to, is he's standing over Golden Swallow's hut where her friends are. What kept him it, from the movie, from what we got in the movie, what kept him from just walking down there and saying, hey, remember me? I've been, I kept your pen for years. You want to go get tea? Come drink with me. What stopped him from doing that? Because he's a manly it, man. That's why he's like what, a, he's like a, um... he, what he does instead is he goes on a quest to, to frame her for murdering huge amounts of bad yes, guys. Yes. So that she'll yes. get attacked and then she'll have to come see him. And then when she does, I just, he's, he, his motivation doesn't make any sense to me. He's messed up in the head. That's what I'm getting. At. He's I, he, that. That's the compelling thing about the character. This he he can't walk up to her and talk to her. He's got to enact this whole carnage-ridden plot to attract her attention. Do you know what I mean? It's a. He's like stat. He has to challenge her friend to a duel because he can't explain himself very well. I just like there's just so like. Because here's the thing that does for me again, though, Brennan, is that, okay, so what you're saying is the only villain that's good enough to really get in the way of Silver Rock is Silver Rock. Yes. Yeah. I, <laughs> I hate that. I hate that so much because I mean, he can never self-actualize. Well, he's, he's not, like, but he, he, that's not the point of the character. The character is meant to implode. Do you know what I mean? Uh, like, that's how I read it. I read it like he's like a... Like that end scene, right? He's crucified in the final moments of the movie, right? That's the, that's the only end that this character can meet. It's not it's not about him reconciling himself with anything or or coming to terms with the concept or uh, or growing as an individual. Do you know what I mean? That's his, his destiny is to die as the supreme swordsman. Yeah, that's the it's it's it's. It, it, I mean, like, I, 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 it's, I, I think that my problem is that I do not understand the appeal of that because I just want to slap the guy. Okay. Well, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, it's it, like, it, that might be that it, maybe it wouldn't have been so frustrating if, uh, first of all, if that element had been brought forward a little bit more, but also like if every other character wasn't swooning over him, I would have liked that more. Like if they called him out on what a dickhead he was, like, cause everyone's talking about how great he is, but what they should talk about is how broken he is and how easy it would yeah, have been to but, just not do what he's doing. But we're putting like our, our sensibilities on, on the characters, right? Like, you have to, like though. but like, to it's, some extent. you do do an extent, but like at the same time, it's like a, how can I put the, it? The, the reason the, that he goes from being a character that has pathos because he's damaged, which can exist mm -hmm. and a self-destructive character would have been even more sympathetic to someone who's just like, you, a you negative, didn't see him as self-destructive though. He was self-destructive, but there was no... I didn't care. I wanted him to die because okay. he's a douchebag and nobody calls him on it mm. at all. No one, even his enemies, aren't like, okay, you're great, but you know, buddy. Well, I <laughs> no think, one, I no think the, director, the director was not presenting him as a douchebag. The director was presenting him as a he, tormented he man, maybe. Like a... Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that's what he was trying to present him as. Um, right. There's like this machismo worship inherent in never questioning him or calling him out on his damage that isn't just 
that's not merely us imposing our values on him. That is a recognition that the the validity of that value, that perspective that he's damaged, mm. isn't addressed. And it's not addressed intentionally to romanticize that damage. And that's not good. That, that's why he's unappealing to me as a character. Okay. I think there might also be a generational divide here because, like, for me, I find that appealing. And, and maybe, so maybe it's, it might be, there might be, like, a, a difference in in point of view we millennials are a sensitive bunch and like the 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 things i just said are such a millennial thing to say they really are so so for me which of my generation like i kind of see that i'm like you know it's not such a bad way to die do you know what i mean like (laughs) like like that's sort of my reaction to it it's like like with rocky do you know what i mean like rocky he gets crucified in the ring silver rock gets crucified on the precipice of the mountain do you know what i mean it's like a but i love rocky rocky's so great but he's the same. But Rocky's the same guy. Rocky's a damaged boxer who ignores all of Adrian's concerns and destroys himself in the ring for his own pride. Do you know what I mean? Like in every single movie, he does this, right? Right. Except it's for not five. though Adrian isn't like she's concerned about him. You know, there there is some pathos to it. People do tell him to throw in the towel because it's stupid what he's doing. So like. We can sympathize with the character while we recognize that he's he is fundamentally screwing up. There's nothing like that for me for Silver Rock, and I, I don't know. I don't. There's nothing in the script or in any of the characterization or the actions or motivations that we saw in this movie that reveals to me that that message was there anywhere. Well, but you what know? about the Cheng Pepe character who was kind of saying the Adrian type things about him having the duel with Han Tao and uh, you know Golden Whip and. Um you know saying like you know you 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 know you never th- you guys never think of me that kind of thing um i don't know like that that to me seemed more like the screenwriter just making like again reducing golden swallow to mm. this plaintive complaining female role mm. instead no, she of was. actually she was she i was that's i'm kind of saying she's like filling the adrian role with those it, those lines right but adrian wasn't just that like she mm. wasn't just a harridan who only thought about herself mm. like her concern actually sprung out of a more genuine place and, like, to, to some extent, there's a nuance there that might be just lost in translation. Mm. I don't know, though. Like, the movie... Remember that, like, you were talking before we got into the podcast about that, like, poetry scene where he goes off into his own little world about poetry and how serious it is. And it's, like, it's presented as almost, like, this religious thing for him. And certainly it is. But, like, there's n- no doubt from anyone in the movie about the validity of that extremely unhealthy monofocus. Oh, go go ahead. I don't want to interrupt. I don't want to interrupt. Well, I just like, I'm fine with damaged characters, but I'm concerned whenever the damage is romanticized this way because it it removes the pathos. It it kills my ability to sympathize with them because it's, it's like saying we should, we should look up to the people that aren't, capable of being healthy humans because there's something better than us and that i, I don't that think message it hits me in a discordant way it really does i don't think that's the purpose of the message i think the mess i think when they when i think the point of romanticizing it is to let you feel it do you know what i mean so that you can experience it you're supposed to experience silver rock's crucifixion over the course of the movie you're supposed to experience his angst and and so I think uh, that's what I think the struggle would have been helpful with there. So I think we're hitting the same point there. With you need to be in his boots. You need yeah. to be so. But you didn't. F- you but I felt I totally felt like I was in his boots. That's what I'm saying. Like like the right. scene. 
the scene with the poetry, that's where I feel like, oh my God, I understand this guy. This guy is suffering. Do you know what I mean? That's That poetry scene to me is, this guy is wasting himself away in these brothels. Like they, they, He literally lives in brothels. He doesn't have a home. He, he roams the land. He kills bad guys. And then he goes and he drunk, he gets drunk and, and, he, and, he, and he sleeps in brothels. And he has that, the courtesan that he likes to see all the time. But he's clearly not content. Do you know what I mean? He's clearly got uh, this pining for Golden Swallow. But it's, it's, it's almost like Golden Swallow represents something else that's unattainable to him. Do you know what I mean? This, this normality that he just can't arrive at. Do you know what I mean? Because he's just... He's just hell bent on killing. He's a killer. Do you know what I mean? And he's re- and he's directing all of that rage at bad guys, but you don't get the sense that he's particularly concerned about any of the killing that he does. Do you know what I mean? I have a and I have a complaint with that too because like okay, his family was killed in front of him, but like almost every Wuxia character has some element of tragedy in their backstory. What is the thing that pushed this guy over the edge into complete mania? And it's kind of it's just. In the script, it just seems like when they're talking about how, like, zealously he pursued training in his revenge, it just kind of consumed him. But it feels like there's, like, at this point in his life, there's not, like, an evil organization that's powerful that he has to go and rid the world of. So there's not really any heroism at the core of this. It really just is his mania. Like, with Rocky, it was more about going the distance, proving to himself that despite his, his terrible socioeconomic status... Like, there was some inherent worth to him. Yeah. Like, there, there was some st- unconquerable strength deep down. There's nothing like that in forming the heart of Silver Rock. He is 100% the unhealthy parts. You know but what I mean? Isn't that, in a way, less romanticizing the unhealthy? Like, Rocky, you can almost sort of make an argument for it's good to be like Rocky. It's harder mm-hmm. to make an argument that it's good to be like Silver Silver Rock, right? Because Silver right, Rock... The- that's the that's the crux of my complaint, though, is that there is no reason to be like Silver Rock. And the movie seems to acknowledge that at the same time that it never criticizes him and holds all of his identity and values really high this, to, to the point where when he dies, like Golden Swallow dedicates the rest of her life to standing by his grave. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's the thing where it's like, no, you shouldn't be like him, but we are going to look up to him and worship him. And no yeah, but everybody's miserable. Like nobody gets what they want at the end of the right. Movie. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, like she's a she's basically a widow before she's even married, right? And and she's right. residing with the courtesan that was deeply in love with him and knew that he was in love with Golden Swallow. And then Han Tao, the whip guy, is like, "Well, I'm just going to give you my house and wander the world now because I was defeated by your boyfriend." Right? Like, yeah. it's like and and and. The only person who gets any satisfaction is Silver Rock because he at least knows he's the Supreme Swordsman at the very end of the movie. But like, that's never been his struggle, though. No, like, there was never no. a point when he had to be the best. And like in a Rocky sense, he just wanted to kill motherfuckers. At the end of the day, he that that was what he was all about. He wanted yeah. to kill people, and he wanted Golden Swallow, his lady crush, to notice him and to admit her love, and then he got to die. I, I mean, but, like, but, even if it's maybe technically well structured, it's secu- extremely unsatisfying to watch that. But I mean, again, I think if you look at it from like the point of view of like what's like, it's the ending. I mean, I don't know what Cheng Che's purpose was here. Cheng Che definitely had an admiration for violence and bloodshed. I think that's 
not a controversial uh, the, thing the to parts say. when this movie yeah. is violent it, it's really fun yeah i will give it that like his um, um the the heart cut out scene is one of my favorite ones so i think when, when you watch cheng che movie i mean number one like cheng cheng's i think his father was a warlord or something so one thing to consider what? is just yeah the guy the guy is coming from a much different place i mean i don't know I don't know what that necessarily means. I just know he was a warlord. I don't know. I don't know exactly the full extent of you know the warlordness there. But he's coming from. A, you know, my dad was a salesman. Do you know what I mean? Like I, yeah, I, I can't. Yeah, I don't think either of us can really you yeah, know, appreciate I, it. My grandfather was a boxer. I can kind of get a sense of some of the stuff, but it, it, it's it's very alien to me the world that Cheng Che is trying to depict here. Um, but yeah, I, that. That might be more than just a Chinese cultural thing. It might just be that, you know, there's something extremely unusual about his vision. Well, well, yeah, because King Hu, if you look at a lot of his movies, like if you watch Dragon Gate In, and King Hu, just for people who don't know, he's the guy that directed the first movie that this is a sequel to. In Dragon mm-hmm. In, he makes a character who is a essentially a rebuttal to James Bond because King Hu didn't like the idea that James Bond had a license to kill. And so he made a character that's sort of the, like the opposite of James Bond in a way. Do you know what I mean? He's, a, he's sort of a, a response to James Bond. And, um, and so, you know, it's not like every director in this genre adores violence or has an uncritical eye of violence. And not even Chang Che is uncritical of violence, just that he fully embraces it as a medium in the, you know, like... Yeah. I will say the embrace of the, the the nature, like the brutal life-ending nature of violence, actually makes this movie very sincere. And the, the points where it's like that are extremely entertaining, uh, really satisfying to watch. And you're right, he doesn't flinch away from... Uh, his critique of violence is in showing just how it completely ruins everything you're trying to do. No one's happy at the end of this movie. You yeah. know, it, or, orphans, dead... Families destroyed, destinies cut short. That's a critique. You, you can't say it's anything but a critique of violence. Well, I, th- this is where I'm not sure where Cheng Che comes from. Like, I don't know. Um, I watch it, and that's my conclusion. I watch it, I say, like, look at the aftermath. This is horrible, right? At the same time, there is that it's not such a bad way to die reaction that you have to that, that finale. Right, he died at the zenith of his capability, and, you know? And he's adored. At the end of it, you know, oh, yeah. the woman is at his gravesite, adoring him even in his death. So, you know, it's I, I feel like it's 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 hard to really, and maybe if it's I, above I, my pay grade to sort of get it. The I, I don't think so. But here's here's my take on that: the woman is adoring him at his gravesite thing. There's a psychology behind that because when I was a lonesome and frustrated teenage guy, that was such an appealing notion to me that people would like grieve at how great I was at my gravesite. Mm-hmm. Like, it it's wanting the admiration without wanting to be able to make yourself vulnerable enough to do that emotional labor in response to them. There's a well, psychology behind well, it. Well, Silver Rock is definitely not at all a man who's given to emotional labor. <laughs> this is true, but his his refusal of it is is spun as, like, stoic or noble, and it's not really spun as cowardly which is what it really is well see and i I think that that's the element of the movie that like that's one of those things where i'm like my my brain is getting tricked there i I, I know what that is i find his stoicism a little bit admirable um you're supposed to though yeah but 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 i think it's i mean i think it is like i think you know like i understand what you're saying like obviously your stoicism is admirable he 
He could have. I can deal with that, but like eh, refusing, like the easiest thing, like just returning someone's affections or going down and talking to them instead of an elaborate murder spree, like little things like they think that's a free lunch, man. That's not being stoic. At that point, it's being afraid of being able to showing your feelings to anyone. And there's a distinction between stoicism for a heroic stoicism, you know, where you're doing something like sacrificing your your well-being or your health or your happiness for someone and cowardly stoicism which is i can't admit to you how i feel because that would that would hurt my self-concept but what if it's just that he believes that's not what a man should do do you know I, mean? I think i think that's true about him and i wonder how much it's true about the person who wrote him but is that but that's what i'm saying is it, is it cowardly then if it's just well that's what he believes a man shouldn't do do you know what i mean it's like like it's not necessarily that it isn't like he might like part of him probably wants to tell her all these things right but mm-hmm. maybe he just, that's not the worldview that the character has. Um, right, but how, how warped is that worldview to not be criticized and then also be romanticized, you know? Because we, as modern people, understand that's, that's retarded. That's so stupid to do it that way. Don't be like that. But we're, but we're coming from a much different time than, than, the, than the movie is set and then the movie was made. And, and from a very different place, right? And, and yeah. we're coming from a culture that fully embraces psychology, right? Like we fully embrace talking about our feelings and all that, you know, I, but I, like, I gotta say, like, you know, I don't like to get into this stuff that much, but I was not <laughs> huge into, into feelings growing up. Do you know what I mean? Like that was not the way, I, like I wasn't, uh, oh, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like they just like, that's not how I was raised either. So uh, same here. Like this is all, this is all a vocabulary I've adopted in my adult life okay. because I'm a father now. And like, I've got to be able to talk to my kids about their feelings because like me, my eldest son is on the autism spectrum. Okay. So if I don't like discuss feelings with a sophisticated language, I, I can't make it real to him. I can't I help him deal with his feelings. So I, I, you and I actually have that in common, which because I didn't, I didn't grow up with all the the mushy, feely stuff I'm talking about now. Okay. It, so my my grandfather drove a truck, and he was one of these hyper stoic individuals. But I have nothing but admiration for the man. Yes, you know. I, and I think, but I think that's sort of what we're getting at here. Is like I feel like like I like we're a slightly different generation. We're kind of in between, right? We're like both. I think yeah. both of our grandparents were very stoic and very similar to Silver Rock, right? And our mm. parents were probably a little bit more. You know, open, open-minded, um, but we're before the generation that's like fully, fully embraced the. Um, the yeah, because my mom was was uh, sixty-four was when she was born, and so okay. like she kind of grew up in the seventies, okay. um, and she like I'm I'm from eighty-six, and I think you're like one generation before me. I think I'm that se- you're I'm seventy-six, and my parents were born yeah. in the forties. Right, so you're you're we're both relatively close. Like you're in Gen X, closer to the end, and I'm Gen Y, very close to the beginning. Okay. okay. Uh, so, so we we've got there's some there's some mesh there. You're about my baby sister's age, actually. Yeah, That's, there you uh, go. Yeah. So, so that, that I can I can I can I can grok it from that, but <laughs> but but what I, but what I'm what I'm getting at is, I think the the sort of conflicted feelings that we're sort of discussing about this movie. Mm-hmm. it's kind of like can you see it's sort of like it's like watching a movie about world war Two as a as a millennial and not understanding the mentality of the soldiers in world war Two. do you know what i'm saying like like that's i feel like we kind of have to understand it to a degree on its own terms um and and i also think there's uh 
I don't know. It's it's a weird movie because you can, you can. It's sort of like non. It's like it's not very critical of the violence, but at the same time, there's a lot there that you can glean to be critical of. Do you know what I mean? It's like a. Um, mm. uh, this one's a this one's kind of a gem in that regard. I, I think though, if we separate our pers- our perspective generationally from the movie, and we say, okay, what is the effect of the characters and decisions that were made? regarding how they interact. Uh, you can still critique the movie in terms of Silver Rock being a Mary Sue just because the other characters functionally are reduced and motivationally are reduced to orbit him. And okay. that's that's a that is a structural critique of the movie that I have. Like my my bias is kind of what we're talking about as far as my my reaction to his attitude and the kind of hero worship of that unhealthy degree of stoicism in my estimation granted that's that's subjective but, but that's fine that's fine i mean we're having a discussion to a degree a debate about certain points but i think i think it's safe to say a lot of people would mo- would watch this movie and the the term that would be used would probably be like toxic max masculinity or something like people, people right i'm not going that far. no you're not going that, no but you know what i mean I, like this this movie could certainly be yeah, held up as an example of that right like would wouldn't you say that that's yeah a, if you wanted to make a if you wanted to crucify a movie for what you'd call nowadays toxic masculinity yeah you'd, you'd hold up silver rock and be like look this guy needs to get in touch with his feminine side he, he needs to talk about his feelings needs to help approach his problems in a more healthy way and the fact that the movie worships that okay this is what we're talking about when we talk about toxic masculinity i'm not going that far i, I think that's that hyper critical and hyper modern judgment on things it's not it doesn't it lacks a lot of nuance because it is so modern so uh, uh, I'm not gonna go that far. I just and I don't want to invite that. But you that, still, that but, but you still definitely do not sympathize with the Silver Rock character. It sounds like it sounds like for uh, you, he's, a, he's well. You you've definitely given me more sympathy for him because you're right. He is a damaged character. So as far as like he can't bring himself further, he he has to have the the destructive agonizing in that he does. Okay, there is some genuine sympathy there. But as far as motivation, as far as manifestation, I, I don't have much sympathy there. And as far as the way the movie works, I was displeased with the way it presented those facts about him. Because it, it, you can't sympathize for something that you're at the same time romanticizing. Yeah. You know, those are two different spices. They're two discordant. Well, and he kind of has like a sneer the whole time. Like whenever he draws his sword, he gets this look like a grimace or something on his face that's... You know, very masculine, but very sort of, uh, I don't know, It's uh, um, it, it kind of seems like he's throwing shade at Golden Swallow at times. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's sort of how it feels. I can certainly see the reaction that you had to it. Um, and I'm, um, I'm wondering, would you categorize him as an anti-hero? Who? Um, anti-hero is a slippery term. I think so. Um, because, and that's my... Uh, that's more of a subjective reading of the movie. I think that if I were going to judge this movie without that subjectivity, if I were just going to like tell, talk about what was his function in the movie and how does that, does that line up with anti-hero or not? I would call him a tragic hero in a classic sense because he starts at a high place and he's reduced. It's almost a great tragedy. Um, so functionally, no, he's almost a classic hero. I would consider him an anti-hero because his actions are all horrible and self-destructive. Um, but I think that's more of 
my again that's a more subjective take on it than than, than looking at it from a structural viewpoint. Now, one thing I did want to ask about the structure, I kind of want to get into performances and stuff like that too. But oh yeah, um, what did you think of the the finale? Because it, it has a climax, right? Like it has the duel, which should be the climax. But then after the duel, there's this whole battle that takes place between the wounded Silver Rock and the remnants of the Golden Dragon organization and the other we sects. So many Golden Dragons in this movie. Mm. Oh my god. <laughs> but how, like that to me felt like a, you know, like do you remember the um, the little model rockets that would go up and like you'd make the model rocket it would shoot up in the air and then at a certain point that little thing would get triggered and pop the lid off of the. Uh, um, off of the rocket. Yeah, so and, it would explode and then zoom another rocket and that would explode. Yeah, 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 it felt like that. Yeah. And and much like one of those rockets, this is impressive in the way it pulls it off because that's hard to do, you know? It's hard to structure a rocket such as that you get two satisfying bangs out of it and, like, a rocket and another rocket. This movie managed to do it. Um, there's, like, we've, we've done Chang Che before, haven't we, as a filmmaker? I feel like we've watched Chang Che. One-armed Sorsman. Did you ever do The Assassin yeah. with me? I don't think I did the... I did one on Swordsman. I don't think we did the Assassin, So, though. the Assassin... We should have watched the Assassin because I would be very curious about your reaction to it. But that is sort of... Oh. that. This is like... Basically, I feel like Cheng Che is covering the same ground he covered in the Assassin. It's, mm. a, it's a little bit more grounded in the Assassin. I don't think you'd hate the character quite as much. But it's, <laughs> it's a character played, again, by Jimmy Wang Yu. He's dressed almost the same. He's sort of an all-in-white type character. And he's supposed to assassinate this... I think it's a king or um, or a, a you know some significant figure uh, very early in Chinese history, and he's ba- it's based on a historical event. Um, but the, the character is all about how he he basically just wants to die in a blaze of glory. That's what he wants to do. And there's even like a line he keeps repeating where he's like, "I'm I'm young and I have this hot blood in my chest that I need to you know I need to I need to do something great." You know what I mean? That's just like that's just and and he. He gives up so much. There's a whole love story that's like, unlike the love story in this one, it's fully explored, and you see what he's giving up to to meet yeah. this glorious end. Uh, I'd be very curious about your reaction to that movie, but but the point. Was, huh? I, I'll I'll tell you that from description, it it doesn't sound bad. I'm not saying there's no artistic merit in what happens in this movie. You know, it's, it's an important distinction to make that like you can recognize that. It's not as though that's not a genuine sentiment. No, but what I'm saying is... Validity, I think I'm curious if the way it's handled in that movie would land differently. Because... More skill would have fixed this a lot for me. Because for me, it's not so much that the character is self-destructive and terrible, or, or even that it's worshipped. For me, it's just that the rest of the movie has to revolve around it in this clumsy way. Mm. And I think that's really like the biggest complaint is that is this entertaining to watch? Because I'm not really watching wushu movies to help redefine my life view and my views of gender morality. Mm. That's not really what I'm about, you know? Like, I understand those things. They're talking about ad nauseum in my generation. But, like, I just don't want to be distracted from the kung fu. I get it. Right, that's that's going to be my simple I mean, complaint is, like, is this so clunky and unskillful that, like, I'm just rolling my eyes at it? And the the attitude of the movie towards Silver Rock, eh, it, it, I rolled my eyes. Like you said, you step into Ed Wood territory, it's hard to go back. Well, I think I think of the scenes where the violence gets, uh, re- like, it's it's a tricky balance because he's... 
he's using violence is like uh, he's using blood like he would use paint on a canvas right like that's yeah. sort of how he does things and when you do that i think if you you have to take risks and sometimes those risks don't pay off do you know what i mean because you got to show I'll extreme both in this movie because and get their hearts cut out it has this wonderful uh, cross cut where you see them get strapped down then it switches to behind them you see their chest and when they're cutting their hearts out you don't see the violence what you see is their bodies jerking hideously yeah. and this spray of very realistic blood flowing down the side that's yeah. gut wrenching it's it's really impactful and dark and I loved that I was like oh my god that's gorgeous and you have two and then there's the goose scene you have two characters that kill themselves horrifically. Mm. Uh, one veers into comedy, but they kill themselves to prove their innocence. Um, you know what I mean? There's like the, there's there's like a code that is emphasized throughout the movie. Do you know what I mean? There's like a code of conduct that keeps getting, you know, mm. uh, and and it's always emphasized with violence. Do you know what I mean? Like like the so um, yeah I. I think when you watch movies like this, one thing that's going to happen is you will see there'll be messages that you just don't agree with that you'll see a lot. Like like mm -hmm. like a message that I don't like that I see a lot in, in, in especially the Kung Fu craze movies, even though I understand why it's there because of the context is is a very nationalistic message. You get a lot of nationalism in some of yeah. these films. Uh, um, you do see that. But... Yeah. Now, I don't like it. But at the same time, if it's done well, I can admire it. Do you know what I mean? I can say, okay, you know, it was done well. They made me feel right. something. Um, huh? And, and you you do have to do that to some extent. Like I'm doing with my with my attitude towards the character versus my analysis of the movie. Like you have to think about it in terms of why am I watching this movie? Yeah. It wasn't to reject nationalism, you know. So yeah. if I see a, a pro nationalist message in there. It's not going to murder my interest in the movie unless it does. Yeah, I mean, the, the only time I get nervous about it is if I feel like I'm becoming a nationalist because I'm watching it. I mean, that's when I would get nervous. <laughs> I haven't had that experience. I, I, I don't I don't I don't find nationalism an appealing ideology. So I don't find um, a lot of persuasion in the, the message I get I, at least. I, I, I feel like, um, well, especially when you're watching movies from other parts of the world, you're just going to see things that like you're just not like, you know, right. Uh, yeah. But a recognition of watching movies from other cultures is that they're going to be from other cultures, other yeah. values. And, like, I'm not sensitive about the different values that people on my own planet hold. Jeez. But um, but I think it's fair for us to have this discussion. Do you know what I mean? And, like, talk about our different reactions to the movie. Um, what, I, what I like about stuff like this is it is kind of dirty. Do you know what I mean? It is kind of a dirty movie. Like the like, it's not a message that my mom would want me to have have absorbed as a child, right? This is the kind of film where if my mom walked into the room, she'd be like, "What the hell are you watching, Brendan?" Do you know what I mean? Like, like it, it, I'm it's, watching a death cult movie, yeah. mom. Um, so it's not a wholesome film, but I like media that's not always wholesome, and so uh, right. That that's important. By the way, the idea that the media you consume doesn't have to 100% agree with your ethics or morality, that's important. You, you need to be able to look at something that challenges you on its own merits and, and be able to talk about it and think about it. It's, it's, good, to eat, it's good to eat food that doesn't agree with you sometimes. Yeah. It, it's good to watch something that you think, wow, how did they ever get this made? Like, I, I've got, like, tons of movies on my shelves that I have only because the first time I watched them, I hated them. Mm. So I watched them again, 
you know, and I just I couldn't stop watching them. I've got stuff like David Lynch on there. I've got a few Jodorowsky, uh, like Santa Sangria. I've got like all kind like David Cronenberg and like the I like David, David Cronenberg. I like, but I mean I like, I, him. I like him too. But remember, the first time I saw The Fly, I was like seven years old, and I was sneaking into the living room while my mom was watching it. Mm. I didn't know what I was getting into, you know. So that movie basically scarred me when I was a kid, and now I own it and I watch it all the time. I was like ten when that came out. I think um, I remember it came out in the theater, and I, I think I I probably watched it on video. I doubt that I was able to get my parents to let me see it in the theater, but I remember seeing it right when it came out on video. And uh, it was horrifying. It was definitely a horrifying movie. Do you know what I mean? It was, it was a very terrifying film. Excellent example of body horror. Um, but but I loved it. I was I was uh, I was thrilled by that movie. Um, but I you know I, I grew up in that period, so there were a lot of movies like that. We were watching like Friday the Thirteenth, and you know yeah, I used to watch that when I was yeah. younger. My my older siblings who were around your age, or not siblings, but uh, cousins who were like siblings at the time, were around your age. So I got to see, you know, the Mortal Kombat movie. I got to see Friday the 13th. I got to see Nightmare on Elm Street. Because they'd sneak them to me, you know? We'd watch yeah. them together whenever they would come over and stay. So, like, that was my exposure to that stuff. And it, it taught me an important lesson when I was young, which is you, you've got to consume things that challenge you. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the experience of that is really valuable. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, I, 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 with this stuff, I feel like, um, again... The, the message is pretty bizarre. Jamie, the message is pretty odd. Um, it is. But I find something very charming about it. Um, and I, I don't... I And, and I, I also find something about it, which is the Silver Rock character to me is sort of the embodiment of just what happens when you build your life on violence, right? Like that's... Mm-hmm. Like he's a martial hero. He's been trained to kill. And he's now locked into sort of this killing lifestyle. And he's directing it at bad guys, but it's kind of obvious that it could easily be channeled towards innocent people if it, re- you know, in the wrong conditions, right? Like he's not, he's he's selective in who he kills, but he doesn't really have any compunction about it at all. So yeah, uh, remember the scene, the because later in the heart cutting scene, uh, he he kind of just wanders into that like hall where the golden dragon are and single handedly kills everyone. Which, by the way, I did want to point out when I was watching that. I had two thoughts. Number one, this should be ridiculous clown shoes. Number two, it's not. Yeah. They did a good job of establishing how serious and brutal it was before they got to that point. And the last shot of him is him walking out with the thing burning behind him. And two people walk out behind him or run out behind him and he cuts them down. Then he's kind of looking off in the distance and two more people, stuntmen who are on fire, run out screaming. And he doesn't even look to the side at all like there's zero compassion yeah. and he walks away that's a great scene and and also i think it's important for us to acknowledge golden swallow the cheng pei character seems to agree with his worldview jimmy because when because han tao is the pacifist in the movie han tao mm. is the guy who doesn't want to doesn't want to kill anybody and um and 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 han tao is golden whip the lolier character um uh but he's kind yeah, of like uh He's kind of like a nobody. Do you know what I mean? He's kind of like the loser in the movie, right? And and at one point, Golden Swallow says to him, "But some of these guys deserve to die, right? Like these guys didn't deserve to live." And and so she's sort of rebuking his pacifism. So, uh, you know, the, the if if you're watching the movie, would you rather be who would you rather be, Han Tao or Silver Rock? 
Do you know what I mean? Like the it see it seems like the the message is kind of clearly centered on Silver Rock's point of view, but um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I but I do think. I think I think it's a movie. It's weird because it's a movie that celebrates violence, but I feel like it also is kind of acknowledging this is the grim conclusion that the violent way of life leads to, right? Like, I, but you're supposed to I accept understand. it. Do, do I you... understand that appeal. For me, and I think this is this is a 100 percent subjective and personal thing. I don't know if I could consider this like a really strong counter critique to the movie, but for me. I would have found that message enormously more compelling if it could have been martially or philosophically challenged by a character in the movie. Mm. Because as it was, we were only hearing one side of the story, really. And it was not a happy side. But like you said, the pacifist, like he couldn't he couldn't challenge it. His philosophy wasn't challenging to the death cult. His his martial style wasn't challenging to him. Ultimately, he failed. Everything failed before Silver Rock. Yeah, you know, and that's that's kind of a nihilistic view, and it won, and that's not satisfying for me to watch. No, it was, and and again, I think, and I guess the question is, is it celebrating it or is it saying, look, this is just the reality? And those, I guess, those would be two different things. Um, It would be, and I think it's valid. the movie doesn't seem to understand there's a valid counter argument to nihilism. And I think maybe that's what really kind of rankles me at the, at the core. Like, it, cause the, I can, I can critique it structurally and I think I have valid critiques there, but it rankles me in the heart too. It like pricks at me. And I think that's where it pricks at me. The movie doesn't seem to know that there's an argument against nihilism. It seems to think that the acceptance of nihilism is wisdom and mm. it's not, we, we know better. Yeah. I, I, th- I think that, Again, I, 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 I feel like the movie is um, how can I say this? I think I think it's I think it's I think I think you're right. Um, I don't know if that it, that the movie doesn't know or if it just doesn't care. But I guess it's the same thing either way. Um, right. Well, you, at the end of the day, it, it it cannot know that if it doesn't care because nobody wants nihilism. Mm-hmm. People accept nihilism when they think that there's no other option. It's the whole drinking the sand argument. Well, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is I feel like what the movie is saying is, um, is, is, is more just that like this, like again, I, I'm kind of go, leaning on the warlord thing because that seems like a, I don't know when I learned that about the director that was just a very compelling. Yeah, that's sort of, that's a you know, peculiar little yeah. factoid. You need to dig into that. Yeah, I, I wish I knew more about it. I'm sure people listening might be all the way in. But I feel oh, like there's a degree of the movie is kind of just saying the, the world is really messed up. And and, and and Silver Rock is kind of like that whole line that he says, like, look, there were no heroes that stepped in when my family was slaughtered. That's a pretty yeah. that's a pretty that that line kind of has a, a lot of weight to it. I feel, I feel like it's one of the few I lines. Think that's the, the critical line of the whole movie, because we yeah. don't get much more of his philosophy than that. Yeah. No hero stepped in to save my family. But here's the thing. He didn't really even become a hero. Because the definition of hero isn't someone who embraces nihilism and murder, you know, and that's what he did. He was consumed by it. But well, so, but what he what said an was incredibly tragic view movie. This was he said that he <laughs> vowed to destroy those kinds of people. So, you know, ostensibly, he was trying to kill the kind of people that were that were responsible for his family slaughter. Right. Um, True. Um, 
And I think actually this is kind of a modern critique of, of characters that have that kind of mentality where they put the destruction of others instead of the creation of something worthwhile at the center of themselves. Uh, again, though, it, whether you accept that as a truism of how you have to be to be anything close to a hero or whether you just don't think that there's any other alternative to that, like either way, that's that's where the movie really uh, it offends my sensibilities. Mm. You know, I, I I want my movies to have not necessarily an optimism, but an understanding that that that's an internalization of trauma and pain, not necessarily a, a deeper understanding of the true brutal nature of the world. You know, I want to, I I want to see a challenge to that, even if even if the challenge. Like even if I don't necessarily agree with the challenge, I, I want to see some other philosophy explored there. Okay. And um, th- this movie had a sort of a one note for that, you know. Like again, going back to it, the the pacifist failed. It, it was almost like they were making a mockery of any kind of counter argument, okay. which I think is the pacifist failed and his sword broke. Right? Not yeah. His sword, his oh, whip yeah. broke. Like it's. I he mean, even it says that. He's like, what else is there to say? I yeah. I fought you and completely failed, and I'm gonna live my life in shame now. And and like <laughs> even, in, and he's also responsible for the death of Silver Rock. Do you know what I mean? Like, yep. but it's like not a glorious responsibility. It's like, oh no, I I accidentally hit you while you were attacking somebody else, and my whip broke in the process. And it's a hard whip, so it's very phallic. Do you know what I mean? It's like a very sort of. Uh, but this was a scene in which he was emasculated. Yeah, he yeah. was definitely like a lot of times I don't lend a lot of weight to that because it's just, you know, it's like, well, it's also a sword because swords are shaped that way. But so, sometimes but, a cigar is a cigar. Yeah. In this case, it was a wang. Yeah. And yeah. It, it was definitely, he was definitely emasculated as a character. Um, you know, he can't even compete with a dead guy, right? He can't even yeah. compete with a dead guy. Um, and he knows it. It's written all over his face. Um, right. And that, that not only humiliates him, it humiliates his perspective and the people that make that argument. Yeah. You know, that's that's why that's in that movie. It's almost yeah. impossible to read it another way. Well, it's like it's mocking it. It's like it's mocking the pacifist worldview, right? Like, that's the... Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Right, so, in, in a lot of what you'd consider toxic masculinity movies, they have that happen. Like, that's that's a thing they do. Well, you know what's interesting, too? Part of my draw to these kind of movies, my father was a pacifist. And so, like, the complete opposite of a warlord, I would assume. And, and, uh, hmm. and, and so, as a kid, like violent movies were not really allowed all that often in the household. So mm. these these had an appeal to me because they were sort of forbidden fruit. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I get you. Yeah. And so uh, so when I see a movie like this, it's like I totally side with the pacifist worldview, but at the same time, I delight in crossing that boundary in the movie. Do you know what I mean? It's like a... It's like a it's delightful. Something, you know, it's sort of, a, it's delightful, but safe because it's a film, you know? I mean, I, I understand the appeal. I was specifically forbidden, uh, from practicing any kind of role playing game stuff when I was younger, uh, because my mother thought it was an evil cult. So guess what I grew up to do? You became a role player. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, it, the yeah. forbidden fruit is the most appealing fruit. And so, succulent. Uh, but, but so, so I don't know. I, th- I think we've, I think we've explored this violent movie, <laughs> topic as far as we can go with it um, i think we've hit our limits on it yeah, yeah. i i, I the limits of our time constraint i i wanted to say one other thing though about the performance yeah. i really like jimmy wang use theatrical 
grace that he has in the way that he sort of his sword strokes. They're these these really dramatic, you know, sort of twirling slashes and leaps. And there's like a flow and a rhythm to it that I really like. Uh, and, there's a lot to like in this movie. Yeah. And it I really like. Is. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I didn't have anything else to say to follow that up. I'm not going to. There really is a lot of stuff. But like, I think we covered most of the good parts, didn't we? Mm. No, no, I just, I just about the performance. I just, I just like the. I mean, obviously Chang Pepe, but she doesn't get enough, sh- you know, well, airtime. Simply utilized. We, uh, we are going to watch Lady Hermit next, and you will see just how tremendous Chang Pepe really is. When you see a movie wow. like that, it will remove any doubt that you might have. Um, you know, they, they call her the Queen of Swords for a reason, and, it's and a cool title. Yeah, yeah, it's a very cool title, isn't it? And that's the that's the movie that I think really captures her Queen of Swords you know, persona the best, you know? Well, um, and it's a totally, and it's a different director. So you're going to get to see three different directors, same oh. actress. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of a nice, uh, sequence of films. Um, but yeah, so, uh, getting into the whole gamification of this movie. Um, so here's, here's what I was thinking. And then we'll go with what you were thinking. Sure. I was thinking, you know, what would be really fun is to make an adventure where the player characters are the bad guys in this movie. Because when you think about it, it's like you say, you kind of hate Silver Rock, right? Because he's so amazingly badass and terrifying and such an asshole to people that <laughs> he's really kind of like a villain in some ways, right? So imagine... Yeah, imagine a villain, he's interesting. Yeah, so, so picture this. The player characters are members of one of the sects that are being slaughtered by Silver Rock just so he can attract the attention of a woman, Right? And, and so the, the way that the adventure could be structured is you make this, you don't, it doesn't have to be silver rock. It could be, you know, you could make silver rock or you could make any number of other people, but a silver rock type character and his allies are, are at war with the player characters sect and their allies. And as the adventure unfolds, the, 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 the more that the, the less, the, how can I say this? The, the longer they take to handle Silver Rock, the more of their organization gets slaughtered until it's literally just the player characters to fend for themselves. Um, you know, I just I just like that idea is sort of a, uh, a countdown of, you know, eventually it's going to be whittled down to you and you have to take on Silver Rock and Golden Swallow and Han Tao. I don't know. That's, that's pretty good. Uh, and I, I've actually been exploring that a lot as I've been finishing up the writing on uh, Lone Wolf Fist. Well, it, I, because, like, content-wise, it's kind of hard to know exactly how to write that as part of your GM prep notes. Mm-hmm. But I think I've done a fairly decent job uh, doing a riff off Justin Alexander's content notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, the, the assumption of them is kind of like a, a hex or something like that, or a, a room in a dungeon. There's sort of a status quo. So when you go in there, it's not an orc standing by a chest. It is an orc who goes by that chest, you know, eight, nine hours a day or whatever to guard it or help people playing cards or whatever. There, there's a reason why it returns to how it's supposed to be. It's a status quo. And um, I realized when I was doing that that I could also make it so that because the, the players are on a, like, like, they exist temporally in the world. Like, as they're going and doing stuff, it's changing. So they, the, the players have their own kind of, like, time scale and they're they're working within the turns and the rounds and the days of uh of the the universe 
I realized that if I had a room that didn't have like status quo content, it had more like dynamic content that was like moving from place to place, and I was tracking that, that uh, that I could actually make a world in which like every time some some turn or whatever, some more chunk of uh, turn changed, the players could make a move, and then this thing could kind of make a counter move against them. Uh, so that's that's how I would set that up i think i would have like the the silver rock kills everybody time scale and then every time the players take a turn doing something like his time scale moves up by one step okay he burns down uh this tea house he kills all the people in this thing and that way i would it would actually be an element of the game they could approach only tactically but like it, it would feel real to them because in a, in a sense it is real like they do have a, a actual ticking clock with measurable like uh, uh, turns that it, it moves, and so time becomes a resource at that point, an actual resource that they can kind of quantify. Yep. So was, I actually I like that a lot. Actually. What I like about it too is um, it's sort of like a Friday the Thirteenth type scenario. It's like a slasher Ooh, type situation. It's... Do you know what I mean? But it's a slash situation where the characters might start to wonder, wait, are we the bad guys or are we the good guys? Do you know what I mean? Like, like maybe they don't know all the details of what caused the conflict. Do you know what I mean? And, and as the, everything unfolds, they might, they might come to realize, oh, wait, my, my organization has been, you know, uh, blaming children for stealing gooses so that it can steal property and, you know, <laughs> uh, cutting open the bellies of innocent people and, you know, doing terrible, terrible things. Um, all these awful things that they're doing. It, that actually is kind of a neat thing to do, too. The the kind of reveal that, oh, wait, we were trained by the bad guys. Yeah. That they, it's not, um, I think it's reasonably well-worn, but not cliche. So that's neat. I, and I think that making that, um, making that an element of, like, the early game mystery could be really cool, too. Especially since you've got both. You've got the collision course with the super over-leveled boss that's killing all of your friends, and you've got the dawning realization that your friends probably deserve to die, and, you know, are you gonna go down with them? Yeah. Or, like, what, what's what's gonna happen? Are you gonna be on the side of the, the crazy psycho hero? Uh, especially if if we approach Silver Rock in that context in, from a modern perspective, and I think you can approach him critically, you could make it so that he doesn't necessarily, much like in the movie, have a very appealing philosophy for his heroism. He's almost incidentally doing the right thing, like you mentioned. So yeah. when they encounter him, if they encounter him in a non-combat uh, circumstance and they get to talking with him, then like they might even further question their own motives. Like, okay, so we're the baddies, yes, but this guy isn't really a force of unambiguous good. He's basically exactly. just like the wrath of God, kind of. Like he's almost impersonal. It's like a force of nature that happens to be on the right side of the law. Yeah, I, I think it, yeah, it would it would definitely not just be like, oh wait, we're literally working for Hitler or something. It would be more right. complicated. Like, oh, we're more bandits. We 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 work for bandits who are really nasty. But there is that complexity with the hero. That's why it's. I think it's a really great scenario I, I i think you could just literally rip the scenario and run it with the player yeah. characters having to contend with yeah. silver rock i do think though that we would run it with a more interesting philosophical nuance because we'd realize at the end of the day that it was about a very human evil mm -hmm. versus a very inhuman good and that's fascinating to explore yeah you know and the exploration of like player characters caught in the middle of that would be extremely fascinating because, like, what, what would their decision be? I don't even know what my decision would be as a player. 
Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I find myself in that critical scene where I'm confronted with the reality of both. And I'm like, well, do I stand up for the bad guys who have understandable human motivations or do I side with the good guy who's doing the right thing but is like this emotional void? Yeah. He's, he's destroying human life because he's damaged and evil and just twisted on the inside. Is there a good guy here? How do I resolve this? That's interesting. That puts the characters in a really interesting hot seat. No, I, I think it would be a cool scenario. Um, I, I think one of these these old Shaw Brothers movies actually do pay great dividends in terms of gaming content. Yeah. If you, yeah, I, I think I think it's definitely worth checking these out. Um, I, I I really want to see your reaction to Lady Hermit. I, I I'm looking forward to it now. Well, I, I want to see more Chang Pei Pei. That was one of the biggest disappointments of this movie is that she was barely in it. Yeah, uh, and, she and, and it, that's definitely a disappointment. It's um, it it it, it, it it's it's not uh it. Again, I love the movie. I would give it a five, but just in terms of how it handles Cheng Pei Pei, it just feels like a complete misuse of her talents a complete mm-hmm. misuse of the Golden Swallow character. It feels like there should have been another movie that was a proper sequel because her character in Come Drink With Me was so wonderful, right? Like, it was a yeah. really good oh, character. Yeah. Um, compelling and was, like, heroic. Heroic without basically needing another character to prop up all of her motivations, Yeah, you know? I, I loved her so much in that movie. And even that one, I think you can level a reasonable critique at it that it kind of hands the baton to the man character to be the real hero at the end. But I don't know, she's in it, irrelevant, to like the very last scene. So it's not as strong as a, of a critique. In this movie, they just totally, they're like, nah, she's not important. Yeah. It, and she, after her. And she does, I mean, she performs it to the hilt. She does everything that she's asked to do in the role. It just that it just seems like what she was asked to do was not to play Golden Swallow as she was originally conceived, but to play a more a, a, a more feminine version of the character, right? Like, and so it just, which but like, and and it, and there's nothing wrong with like a feminine character. Like, it's just that that's not what Golden Swallow was presented as. Because the one, like I said, the scenes where she was behaving in a feminine way were outrageous in contrast with what seemed to be her more natural demeanor. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. It doesn't feel like character growth as much as it feels like just completely a rewrite of yeah. everything about the character. And that's unsatisfying. Now I, did wonder, some con- I, I did wonder about the backstory. Like we know that she went, she trained at the same school with this guy who was orphaned. Right. So yeah. is she talking about the drunken cat character? Is that their master that she's talking about? Or is she talking about some earlier phase in her martial training before Come Drink With Me? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, there's no real mention of drunken cat in this movie. It seems like a weird oversight. Yeah. Well, see, what, what I've decided, and I know it's probably not what the director had in mind, but just for my own personal entertainment, my view is the master that they talk about is, is, is drunken cat. Um, and the thing that clinches it for me is that he's an orphan, right? And we know that Drunken Cat was taking in orphans, right? That was his big thing. And so, because he had all those orphan children. So maybe, maybe Silver Rock is one of those kids that we see in Come Drink With Me, right? You know the kids that are following Drunken Cat around and singing? Yeah, I see that. That, uh, that makes him a lot more fun. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. like, that's that's actually kind of adorable. Yeah, I think... So. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. 
anything to humanize this character. Like I'm I'm desperate to make this character more relatable. What we got to do is go back and look for the character with the scar on his forehead like that. <laughs> oh man, that's that's wonderful. All right, uh, is is there anything else we can get out of this for a game? I'm struggling to think of anything. Like you proposed two ideas, I haven't got many so far. I'm like, because uh, it's mean, it's just so much the Silver Rock movie, you know. Well, I mean, I guess the thing that we could talk about is in the final scene, just how you handle that mechanically, because you know you have this character who's mortally wounded. He's dying, right? He's dying, mm-hmm. and then he fights a whole battle with a bunch of you know disciples from the sect. So, you know, a lot that seems like something that would would really put a strain on most systems because normally once you hit the dying point in any game most games have a kind of a failure spiral where you're getting more wound like more negatives to your stats as you're getting more wounded or alternatively uh they have like a binary thing like when you hit zero hit points you drop and so being mortally wounded doesn't translate well to either of those things uh i i actually lucked out with inheriting the uh the imbalance system or what they used to call it chi imbalance system from legend of the Wuin. Which, it's it's more like a stabs effect. Like, when you get wounded, you get what is effectively a stabs effect that represents the wound. And it manifests either in a mechanical penalty or in the way you describe their actions. It's like a, a way that it it, yeah. it kind of limits what you can do. So if your arm is, like, broken, you can't use it. And the the in-game justification for that is that you you have to compensate for it in, in one of two ways. You can either compensate for it by retaining the mobility of the arm and just kind of like redirecting all of your uh, other abilities to kind of compensate for your injury. Or you can just let it hang there dead at your side and use your full capabilities otherwise. And that actually manifests really nicely in a game as both a tactical element and as something that allows you to to make those really hideous wounds that are on a character. I, uh, I added to that that there is something called deadly imbalances, which get worse every time that you take the easy route and just describe them with your actions. So like if you're going to, and this happens a lot in anime too, which anime was a big influence for me where like character will get like shot in the chest and they'll be coughing out blood and they'll be fighting at their full potential. And then in a lull in the combat, they'll cough some blood out and they just collapse and be like right an inch away from death. I really like that. And uh, that mechanic is actually what I use as my answer to that question. So I do have an answer for that one. I just made it several years ago. Well, I mean, that's, that seems reasonable to me. Um, yeah, I, I did... Uh, what did I do? In in, um, in the game that I'm working on now, I wanted to model this, and so I made a, uh, a martial style that you can take. It's like a whole style uh, called like Enduring Spirit or something. And the idea is when you, when you hit the point when you're dying, you would, uh, you would be able to continue. Do you know what I mean? You'd be able to continue fighting. Um, you know, and, and so uh, so you could take that as a style in the game and you could, you know, if you wanted to make a character who was destined for this kind of a climax, that would be the, the martial style to take. Um, but, uh, and I think I even made one that was specifically sort of like, like, you're going to die. Like, you hit the point where you're going to die and nothing can stop you from dying, but you can keep fighting for the rest of the fight. Do you know what I mean? You get one last sort of moment of glory um but but yeah i don't know it's it's a tough i think it's a tough thing to model because it kind of gets into territory that's you know the character yeah, it, should be dead right um right because you you don't want to remove the failure state 
yeah. from the combat because at that point it's just okay you're gonna roll dice until they die and then you can stop rolling dice and uh like exalted second edition did that a little bit um the i think it was the berserker class i want to say from three hour three five did that mm. so in that that's what happens like when you actually look at the incentive mechanism of that you you do wind up with a golden swallow or a, a golden swallow-esque scene where silver rock is clearly dead and still fighting yeah um but I think it's... that's fair. That's reasonable, though, because you're just giving the player character one last moment of glory, but they're still dying, right? So it yeah, seems it, like a fair... It's such a hard game. line to walk, though, because like if you make it so they can't lose on top of that, well, then that's why different. are you rolling dice? You just, you just declare the outcome, you know? Well, they could still miss. They could still miss, right? Um, right, but that just means they have, another, they have to take another action to kill the same guy because they're undying. And like being undying versus being unfailing should be distinct things, in yep. my estimate. Yeah. No, and I think in, in mine, the way I did it was there was an endurance role involved every round. Mm. So it wasn't technically, un, it wasn't like you were unlimited and you, you wouldn't die. It's just that you could go on considerably longer than um, a normal Right, and you, you could have like uh, some systems do like negative hit points with yeah. penalties or like something like that. I think that's probably a good way to do it, where like you have your, your I'm alive and fighting fine health, then you hit the, okay, I'm critically wounded and dying. Yeah. Um, actually, there's a there's a game, uh, Tinder Band Show Zero, which is an interesting mechanic called the the, uh, the death box mechanic that I stole wholesale from my game because I'm creative. Anyway, the, the, the point of it is like whenever you take damage, you can either accept that it vanquishes you or you can tick off a health box, mm-hmm. and they actually give you bonuses as you tick them off. Uh, oh, because okay. they carry lasting consequences. The worst one is the death box, which you have to choose to tick. Nothing can kill you unless you, you tick that box, but it gives you the biggest bonuses. So it okay. guarantees the scene in which you are dying, you will have super a super cool send-off. Okay, but, you have, but you're dead. But you do, do, oh, you you're dead at the okay. end of that stuff. But we're yeah. coming up on the, uh, the, the time that I have to leave at. So mm. I'm I gonna, get you. Uh, I think I'm we've gonna... exhausted this one, though. I'm looking forward to Lady Hermit. Yeah, Lady Hermit is going to be tremendous. Lady Hermit is a, uh, um, how can I say, Lady Hermit is, uh, well, I don't know, I don't want to taint your view of the movie, so I'm not going to say anything. But it's, hey, look, it, anything to get the aftertaste of Silver Rock out of my mouth will be welcome. Well, <laughs> it's a, it, this one's directed by Ho Meng Hua, and he's a very different director from Chang Che. Uh, Good, so, so yeah, so I, I'd be, I want to see how you react to him. Um definitely a lot more subdued not nearly as enchanted with the kind of violent stuff that cheng che is enchanted with um so so yeah we'll, we'll get into that and we'll you know i'm sure we'll have a lot of discussion and uh uh next week we on wuxia weekend we are supposed to be doing a moment of romance which i'm really looking forward to um if we could find a way to get you to watch it i'd love to have you on because i'd be very curious about your reaction to a moment of romance a moment of romance huh it, it the title is very misleading. Um, it's a it, there that, is that's very common. The, it, it's got it's got a romantic core to it, but it's book it's bookended with really violent heroic bloodshed stuff. So if I can stream it, I'd be happy to. Uh, I don't mind paying a little bit for a stream. So I have, a little bit I have to see if it's. I've had so we had to get DVDs for Dion and Adam. I, I don't know what the situation is with. Um, but maybe maybe it's available somewhere. We'll see if we can find it. 
Um, well, it also it also might be available at like my local DVD store because they have a, a martial arts section which has a really robust collection. So I'll check it out. Check, yeah, see if they got Moment of Romance. Um, uh, yeah, I'll uh, I'll send you over the details about the movie just so that there's no, you know, some other Moment of Romance movie or something. That, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so we'll be back on uh, again. Go to the Patreon, support us. It helps us. You know, if, if if we had but one more patron, I could have ordered an additional. Hmm? Oh, I was rolling my finger for oh. one. Oh, OK. I, I, thought, I thought you were telling me to shush for some reason. Uh, no, no, that would have been like this. OK. Uh, but if we no, had one more patron, we, we could have got another DVD and sent it to Joel and we wouldn't have this problem that we have right now. So, yes, people don't think about your own financial well-being. Think about me. <laughs> so. So let's let's help Joel get some more DVDs. And uh, <laughs> and so so yeah, so we'll be back on and we'll talk to you later. <laughs>